to this bonus episode. Thank you so much for being a subscriber. And I promise you, this is better than 5 p.m. Donut Shop Coffee. I'm, Al- yep. I'm Alexis Drowski. And I am not slamming my wife's head into the, into the pillar of the, the house. I would certainly hope so, that you're not. I'm Kevin Daly. <laughs> and this bonus episode is Malignant from 2021, directed by James Wan. I'm having visions. The body of Dr. Florence Weaver was found brutally murdered in her home this morning. Did you know her? No, but I saw her die. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing murders. As they're happening. Hello? He says his name is Gabriel. I think he's someone from my past. Whatever happened to you before you joined our family hurt you in a way that I can't even imagine. Stop saying that. Maddie, who are you talking to? Gabriel. Is he your imaginary friend? Imaginary Imaginary He's the devil. getting closer. He wants to talk to you. Mom, what do you know? He's coming for me. of Saw. And The Conjuring. And did he do Insidious? Sure. I don't Maybe know. So. Maybe he just produced it? He was, I think he was involved in it. Um, Total fucking professionals. Uh, I'm literally typing in James Wan. Who is this strange man that directed Furious 7? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He did do Furious 7. And yes, Insidious was his. He also did Insidious. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, malignant. That should be the that should be the, the from the director of Saw and Furious. <laughs> Hold on, I was trying to pull up Wikipedia and I typed in malignant and it took me to a page about cancer. Well somewhat relevant. You know, professionals. Total fucking professional. So the movie starts, and I like the effect that we have this static over the hundreds of production logos that we get. We get Warner Brothers, then we get New Line, then we get Atomic Monster, which is James Wan's company, which I had deja vu watching Megan right after this. 
because I'm like, I just watched another Atomic Monster movie. I still need to see that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the logo for the intro for Atomic Monster, that's, some, that's pretty cool animation. I dig it. It is. And we go right from that to the creepiest looking hospital ever. <laughs> God, it's a Gotham. It's fucking, it's Miskatonic University or some shit. Like, like what the fuck are we? Are we on? Do we walk into a Lovecraft story? Big going on? giant light. Yeah, big giant fucking hospital. It's on a hill in the rain. No, it's on a cliff. Yeah, and it's the Simeon Research Hospital. Like, what did I just? What am I watching? And we get Doctor Weaver about to make a a recording about this this deadly patient they have. And then, like, the electricity is all going crazy, and she goes out, and there's just all this weird supernatural strangeness going on. Electromagnetic. People fucking dying everywhere. Yeah. Um, the train cut out. Looks like, it's like, all I can think of is Jurassic Park. Shoot her! And badass Dr. Weaver is like, take him down! Take him down now! And sending doctors with guns into this hospital room. And they get, like, fucking mangled and tossed out. And so she goes in there, and we confront this monster. Gabriel is his name. Which we don't quite see. We just see this weird monstrous thing behind some plastic. Looks like a gray alien. Like, traditional alien myth. Yeah. And then badass Dr. Weaver's like, It's time we cut out the cancer. And we get credits. And I hate these credits. Yeah, they're typical horror movie credits, yep. though. Modern horror movie credits. So. Yeah. And um, we, we see this nice old house in Seattle, and it says the present day, which kind of pissed me off because I'm like, when else would it be taking place? <laughs> this, and then the car that rolls up looks like the station wagon from 1983's Vacation. I'm like, yes, present day. And we get our main character, Madison, Maddie, which I like because that's my middle name. Yes, yes it is. And that's what Martha and the kids call me by. But Maddie, she gets out of the car, and I guess she's a nurse, because this is the only shot where we have any indication that this woman does anything. Right. Is she's wearing scrubs. Because that's, like, my notes later on in the throughout the movie. It was like, what does this woman do? How does well, she live in this fucking house? But she has a shitty husband. Yeah. Um, Shitty, shitty husband is what I put. Um, yeah, it makes, uh, makes Marcus look like a winner. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be married to Marcus than Derek. Me too. Because Derek is like, because Madison's pregnant, quite obviously pregnant. She's like, oh, I got to lay down. I got a headache. And Derek's like, maybe you should stop getting pregnant. How many of my children have died inside of you? He's fucking terrible. At this point, I'd like to point out that uh, my wife and I had a miscarriage. And uh, that takes a lot of balls for a guy to say something like that. Yeah, that is just a terrible thing to say to anybody. So, I mean, he's an asshole, too, like, just in general. But to someone who's actually had to go through that, yeah, he's an exceptional asshole. And to completely blame it on her like that is just terrible. Yeah, she needs to get out while she can. Um, she, has, she has another solution. And it's it's not that he's emotionally abusive like this. He's physically because he smacks her head into the wall and yep, just goes, that's... You bitch! And just fucking smacks her head hard. It cracks the wall. Cracks her head that's... open. That's why I, uh, that's why, I, that was what my intro was referencing. <laughs> and so she locks herself in the bathroom for good reason. Yeah. Well, he's knocking outside, oh, I'll get better, I'm sorry, it was an accident. I'm like, that wasn't an accident, you fucking asshole. And I'm just like, alright, if you need to get better, bro, 
that's cool. Do it away from your wife and your unborn kid. Yeah, you got to do it on your own time. So we get that spooky night, and there's fucking fog all around this house. Really makes it spooky. Yes. But it is Seattle. Yeah. So the fog. I can kind of understand in retrospect. The first time I saw it, I was like, that is unnecessarily spooky. I'm like, oh, but it's Seattle. <laughs> Traditional gothic horror uh, vibes. Yeah, and I that's think... Because, that's because England is also really fucking foggy. London is really fucking foggy. And I think if you're going to do a gothic horror that has the appropriate environment, Washington State would be the one to do it yes. in. We're going to do an American one, yeah. But Derek is being stalked by something. There's mysterious things happening in the kitchen, like the blender's turning on, the fridge opens. Looks like you might have a ghost problem. Um, Very slasher movie-esque, too, because he's like, yeah. hello, hello. It's, it's actually pretty creepy. The scene is actually pretty creepy. Um, the stuff with the TV is fucking great. I like that yeah. part. Because the TV turns on, and it's just scanning through all the channels, and there's somebody sitting on the couch. Yeah. And then as soon as Derek turns on the, the light, that person's gone. Boy, I have a shot of the couch still has the impression of somebody sitting on there. Like, it's going back into shape. It's not memory yeah. foam. Like, that was really well done. Yeah. I mean, all the shots in this scene are pretty good. And then he gets he gets murdered. Good. He deserved yeah. it. He's brutally yeah. murdered. Yeah. This is uh, now turned into a J-horror film. Not sure. Yes. It very much is because our killer has... Big, long, long, long black hair covering their face. Yeah. And fucking twists his head completely around. Yeah, it is. It is quite quite uh, impressive. And then Madison goes downstairs. She's like, oh, hell. You know, she ends up confronting this killer, which we'll have more to say about later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the killer chases her, and we get these really great camera shots where it's tracking her up the stairs and everything. Yeah. Um, I put very Hitchcockian. See Psycho yes. and the stairway shots. Because it's like that the stairway in Psycho where the, the cop gets killed and stuff. Very similar. Um, and yeah, Hitchcock also influenced Giallo and apparently influenced James Wan. <laughs> but enter Detective Kokoa Shaw and his partner Regina. And the, the CSI fangirl that has the hugest, <laughs> hugest crush on Kokoa. I like her. Oh, I loved her too. <laughs> She's so cute, the way that she just dotes on him, just unashamedly. Yeah. Like, she doesn't even hide the crush. Like, she knows they all know. Yeah. And they just see how just fucking brutal this murder was. And then we go to the hospital, and we meet Madison's sister, Sydney. And we learn, sadly, that Madison had a miscarriage. You know, and some time passes, apparently a couple days, because Sydney comes back dressed as a princess. <laughs> because she's a, 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 a working actress, as it were. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of times in the movie she'll mention, like, roles she's done. She's like, I played an extra in this. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately when you're a working actress, that usually means you have to take shitty jobs like playing a princess at the uh, at the kid's, uh, the, kid, the, the functional equivalent of Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, she calls it, it's Family Planet, is what she's like. I'm a princess at Family Planet and I'm on lunch break. And that's when she talks to the detective. And it's like, well, how close are you with your sister? Not too close. Derek kept them apart, which very typical of abuse, abusive relationships. Yep. Separating prayer, support group, yep. Mm -hmm. But Madison decides that she's going to stay in this house. And she's like, this is my house. Um, to where my further notes are like, how are you affording this house without a job? <sighs> because we well, maybe <laughs> maybe there's a big life insurance policy from Derek. Who knows? 
Yeah, because you know a hospital isn't fucking paying. Nope. That, that she ain't getting FMLA this long. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Oh, then they fired her for missing two days. Yeah, you got two attendance points. Oh, a miscarriage? Your head bashed in? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. That's 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 capitalism, bitch. I know. It's unfortunate. But so she hallucinates someone outside, and we get a nice, you know, the the camera work with the stairs again. And is this her, where that that sick overhead shot is? Yeah, the really the really great overhead shot of the stairs is here. Yeah, I which, love that shot. Exactly it. in Psycho, by the way. It's so good. Yeah, it's a very good shot. So she's like, "It's all in my head," which apparently it is because nothing happens, and we no. get the the adding deadbolt mini montage. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, she's going going up full in, boarding it up like a zombie movie. And then she decides to just stop and just stare at the crack in the wall like a crazy person, and she's just staring at it. And Sydney comes by, is trying the door, and then so she fucking. Climbs up to the second floor of the house to climb in the window. It's like, Madison, what are you doing? You're just staring at the wall like a fucking crazy person. She loves she loves her sister, that's for sure. And um and then we get this big reveal because she's like, Oh, I'm so sad about the miscarriage. I just really wanted a biological connection. Sydney's like, But I'm your sister. Oh, no, sorry, Sydney, I'm adopted. And then it's like big music. Like this is a big <laughs> giant reveal. At this point, I should probably mention that I am in fact adopted as well. Yeah. So, um, and what she's talking about is when I, you know, having my first child was, uh, yeah, that is that is actually a thing that people who are adopted do want, do want to feel because it is. It's hard to explain to somebody who's not adopted. Yeah. To not really know where your your biological you know ancestry is, and to have it's not like it's a big deal. Like the realism is, it's not. It's it, realistically, it's not a big deal. But there's it's a psychological thing for those of us who are adopted. So the the music that starts here, and we get it several times throughout. It's like the theme music. Um, here it plays over these really badass aerial shots of Seattle. I mean, Seattle's a cool looking place. So. And originally, I put them like. This sounds kind of like Fight Club and the Pixies. <laughs> well, that's where uh, Pixies are from, so. Yeah, and the song? It is the fucking, it's a cover of Where's My Mind. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. By a band called Safari Riot. <laughs> so I'm like, no wonder it sounds like the Pixies. It fucking is a cover is of a Pixies song. It is, in fact, the Pixies song. The one that was in Fight Club. <laughs> and then we get to see the Seattle Underground. Which I didn't know existed. Reminds me of old New York and, and Futurama. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of movies that talk about old New York that way, too. Like, even Ghostbusters 2, when they're in the old subway. Yeah. But yeah, apparently there was a fire in 1889, and Seattle burned down, so they just built a new Seattle on top of it to avoid flooding. Yeah, to my and it's apparently real. So it'd be cool to go see it, actually. Next time, if I ever manage to make it back to Seattle, I should yeah. look, check that out. I looked it up, and... um. The pictures of it are exactly like we see here. Probably shot, actually shot there. Pro- probably was because the pictures are so dead on. To this movie is so dead on to those pictures. I mean, it would definitely be cheaper just to on-set film there than it would be to build a shot, for, you know, a brick-for-brick brick recreation on a sound lot. Yeah, because we get this woman that's giving a tour and tells us all about the Seattle Underground. And the lights are flickering, and she's like, ooh, ghosts. Um, well, we established that this thing, like, eats, the, the killer eats electricity. 
Yes, this killer affects electricity. Um, and we didn't even mention at the beginning, he speaks through the radio. Yeah, so you can communicate through electrical things. And, um, well, after the tourists leave, you know, the lights are flickering still, and we get this nice little suspenseful moment where she runs down the passageway and turns the light back on, and she's like, oh, there's no one behind me. But no, our, our J-horror killer is right above her. Yep. And we get that fucking pixie song again. <laughs> And this mystery woman, that's who I call her for, for the longest time, is mystery I have, woman. You had no idea who this is until, what, about two-thirds of the way through the movie? Maybe a little bit more than that? And we're not supposed to know. Yeah, apparently. It's supposed to be a big, it, big reveal to us. nuts the whole time, though. Like, did I miss something? Uh, but she's tied up in some attic, and Gabriel is talking to her through the radio. And he's like, oh, I've been waiting forever to see you. Ha ha. But first, Dr. Weaver. So I, that's why I thought, oh, this is Dr. Weaver. But no, no, we get to go see Dr. Weaver in the very next scene. Yeah. Dr. Weaver's just chilling at her house. And she gets a phone call from Gabriel that's like, it's time to cut out the cancer. And so she goes to start looking through her old, old files that we don't get to see yet. Um, instead, we get this really good scene of Madison doing laundry. You wouldn't think that would be a good scene, but... <laughs> but she's hallucinating Dr. Weaver being murdered, like, in her laundry room, until she yeah, backs up. Very cool effect. Oh, the effect where she has these visions is amazing, because her house just kind of, like, morphs into Dr. Weaver's house. and that's that a very nice special effect. It's wonderful. And um, Gabriel is right over Dr. Weaver, like, it's time to cut out the cancer, and sees this fucking monster of a trophy that Dr. Weaver has. This fucking giant blade surrounded by snakes, and he uses it to just beat the hell out of Dr. Weaver. The uh, kills in this movie are very brutal. And so we get the police investigating it, Kakoa Shaw and Regina, and CSI fangirl, and it's one of my favorite lines, is because they find the murder weapon, but it's just like the snake that was around it. Yeah. Um... The, the actual blade part is gone. And Kakoa's like, we have to find the missing half. And the, the CSI fangirl's like, oh yeah, we do. We all do. That's cute and sad. And I said, maybe that line could be used in one of my song intros. <laughs> yes. But they find the picture of Patient May, this young girl. And then we get to see the rest of the murder weapon being, like, assembled in the, the attic. It literally makes a guitar out of... <laughs> punch dagger out of the trophy. Yep. And Maddie's trying to explain her vision thing to Sydney. The cops decide to do an age progression on patient May, which we'll get to later. But first we get Maddie in the fucking silver cup apartments, which I like the lighting here. Yeah. Because it's like there's the silver cup apartments, that big neon sign, and it's red coming through this other apartments across the street. Which at first I thought was a hotel, because this guy living there, who's the other doctor from the beginning, used to work with Dr. Weaver. He keeps his house so fucking immaculate, I thought it was a hotel. Yeah, he's very, uh, very neat. Yeah, and, um, and we only see this one bedroom, so. Yeah. Um, like, he goes into the closet, and we know this dude is being murdered here. Right. You know, like, Gabriel's on the ceiling, then he's under the bed. Really good at building atmosphere in this scene. Yeah. And then Madison is there in a vision. We get that really good vision effect again, and she's, like, literally laying in bed next to this. Yeah. And she sees the killer just stabbing the fuck out of this guy with the dagger. And we get to see that the killer has the strangest friggin' body. Yeah. And, you know, Madison wakes up, her head's still bleeding from being hit. But now she's like, I saw his face! 
we could go to the cops. And the composite sketch, because the, the, the face that she sees through this hair is just this monstrous, ghoulish face. To where the cops yeah. look at the composite sketch and they're like, oh, we're looking for Sloth from the Goonies. Yeah. So th- so far, there's a lot of cool things going on here, and I have no idea what to call the movie at this point. It's kind of this weird hybrid of slasher, J-horror, Jollo, a little bit of Nightmare at Elm Street vibes, the Dreams thing going on. Yeah. Sydney tries to explain, like, maybe uh, Madison and the killer have this psychic link. Uh, you guys consult psychics, right? I played a psychic once on TV, and that's what they said they do. Uh, Maddie gets the phone call from Gabriel in the bathroom. And Gabriel calls her Emily, and she's like, I don't know who you are. What are you doing? And then she shouts out Gabriel. Like, this, it's a repressed memory of hers. So, where do they go for the repressed memories? They go to visit Mom. Yeah. Who I didn't know until a second viewing that the mom points out how skinny Madison is getting. Which makes sense. We learn later on. Oh, yeah. And... So Madison's like, who the hell is Gabriel? We get this big visual reaction from mom and we, she puts on these home videos. And Gabriel was like Madison's imaginary friend that, that she talked to and blamed things on. Um, or so we think. Because then we have Kokoa finding the convenient backstory flash drives. <laughs> like the uh, book on patient May is one of those like false books. With the cutout, and it's just full of flash drives. Flash drives. And so he's like, oh, there was this other doctor. I gotta go track down this other doctor. Just as uh, Madison's having a vision of that doctor. But we don't actually get to see this murder. Um, We just see Gabriel come in later and see this guy just fucking brutalized in his bathtub. And we get that really neat fight scene with Kakoa and Gabriel. Yeah. And the way Gabriel descends down that fire escape. Holy shit. Yeah. The way the way Gabriel moves is eminently creepy. Yeah, um, very very odd, awkward, strange movements, but also brutal. Cause like descending the fire escape, he just hops from floor to floor. Yeah, and even Kakoa's like, "Oh fuck, I got to take the stairs. I can't do that." And even still falls off at the end. And they have this big chase through the Seattle underground. Before the killer just gets away and Kakua's like, fuck it, I can't do this no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gabriel gets like, it just basically slithers his way up into this hole in the, in the ceiling and Kakua's like, nope, can't do that. So the detectives go to talk to Madison again and Madison and Sydney are like, yeah, uh, Gabriel was my imaginary friend. My imaginary friend is killing people. And they're like, we'll get a hypnotist. And we get the hypnotism scene where we get the that Madison had these visions also as a kid and had tried to kill her mom because Gabriel yeah. told her to because she got in trouble for ruining the frosting on the birthday cake. So Gabriel like called her on the phone to say, go kill mom. And then we go back to the present and they finish the thing and we go to the woman in the attic who finally escapes and we get this fucking amazing sequence here. I love this part because the, the woman in the attic... She escapes and she starts to leave, but the apparently the attic has a shitty floor and she falls right through and she's in Madison's house. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, you know, she just falls right down into Madison's living room when the cops are there and everything. Oh, it, it blasts that Pixie song now. <laughs> so there was a discussion they had slightly before where during the, I think it was during the hypnotherapy scene about Madison feeling like, I think she was talking to Gabriel in one of the videos, or I can't remember what it was, but about feeling like feeling like she wasn't needed anymore once the second kid was 
born. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly how I felt my entire life. I was adopted. My parents couldn't conceive for like, they tried for like a decade and couldn't have it. So they decided to adopt. They adopted me. And then two years later, they got pregnant with my brother. And for my entire life, I pretty much felt like, fuck's my point. And that's so again, this is not, this is not an uncommon thing for adopted children. And that's yeah. very similar to how it is here because Maddie's adopted parents they later conceived Sydney, right? But the the police arrest Madison. Obviously, you had this fucking woman in your attic. They they start to interrogate her, and we get like the weird shit with the electronics again. Yeah, as Gabriel calls the police. So the police don't quite know what to make of this, so they still put Sydney in a jail cell. Yeah, I like the scene because they're like, not Sydney, like, Madison. Like, yeah, the the interrogation is interesting because she's just like sitting there, like half like dazed almost, and she goes, "He wants to talk to you." Yeah, and she doesn't really do anything until Gabriel's like, "Ask her what she used to call me." Yeah, and he's like, "She goes the devil." But Sydney, meanwhile, makes this trip to the Simeon Research Hospital, and I have in caps her awful parking. Yeah, but the place is closed down, so. Yeah, she parks right on the very edge of the cliff. Yeah, it's a, I mean, that's a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Like, if I had pulled up, I would have parked nowhere near that fucking cliff. It's not like there's other cars, and this is the... Right, it's abandoned. <laughs> yeah, but she parks right again. Her wheels are almost over the edge of this cliff. It's like, really? It's like, it's like when you're in like a parking lot, you're the only car, and then you come back, and there's another car parked next to you, in spite of the fact that you were the only other car. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of parker she is. But so she she goes in uh, and she's investigating. Meanwhile, Madison is trapped in the jail cell with all the bad jail girls. This is our woman in prison moment. Yeah, I was gonna say suddenly there's a woman peeing and then she doesn't wipe. That that bugged me actually. Um, not the woman Pre- peeing. The fact that she just pulls her panties back up and goes on her day. It's like she did not wipe. Prison rules. I don't think that's a rule in prison though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, uh, Sydney gets these videos and takes them back to mom, and they learn about Serena May, who is the mother of Emily slash Madison, who is 15 years old and raped and gave birth to two kids, Sid, uh, Madison and Gabriel. And, and their mom gets mad. She's like, they told me she died, those lying cock knockers. I do like that line. So, just to continue the personal exploration that become that is this movie my birth mother was 15 and claimed she had been raped turns out she didn't she eventually recanted that because her parents were super religious and so yeah it's uh, getting a little close to Almir. wow i didn't know that much yeah yeah mm-hmm. um we also learned that our jane doe attic woman is serena may yep um, and we watch a video where they're they're talking to Emily's like, we had to drug Gabriel to get get a moment alone with you. And okay, we're going to wake up Gabriel now. And they go, and Gabriel is like, lives on the back of Emily Madison here. The most insane parasitic twin in the history of parasitic twins. Yeah, it's a parasitic twin, and it, it, it's a fucking creepy-ass shot when they uh, do that reveal. Oh, yeah. And I it's think like it, an alien... Like something out of Alien Autopsy. It's fucking bizarre. And I think what makes it even more effective are the way Sydney and the mom, like, gasp and scream when they see it. It just adds to, like, the holy shit reveal. I mean, that is the appropriate reaction. And Gabriel controls Emily's vision. Gabriel hijacks her body. And that's... Ed, Dr. Weaver refers to Gabriel as, as a tumor. 
hence the title Malignant. And she's like, well, it's time to cut out the cancer. And they suppress him into her skull. Like, they cut off all of his body and just leave a little bit ahead because they share the same brain that they just kind of, like, stuff in her skull. Yeah, because basically the idea is if they tried to remove him entirely, it might kill her or leave her basically lobotomized and brain dead. Yeah, and so Gabriel had lived inside her skull until Derek smashed her head into the wall that kind of woke up Gabriel. And that's why her head keeps bleeding, because it's not actually closed. And we see what this looks like. Um, Other than the fact that I have here really, really fucked up to consider this living person, sentient and autonomous, as nothing but a tumor, I can side with Gabriel on that. Because Gabriel is... A human being, a really bizarre, parasitic human being, but still a fucking human. Right, it is weird. And the doctor's like, yeah, no, you're a tumor. You're not a person. But then we have Madison in the jail when Gabriel wakes up. Uh, it is an amazing scene. Um, because we see Madison, just her eyes roll back. She's gone, and it's just Gabriel. And Gabriel, you know, uses everything backwards because he's on the back of Sydney, so he uses her body backwards. He pops her arms out of socket to to use them differently. Yeah. And he fucking murders all of these women in the jail cell. So at this point, the movie kind of becomes like the equilibrium of horror films. It does. Like, the fight choreography is so cool (laughs) for the next, like... 10, 15 minutes. But it's also impossible because oh, yeah. there's a part where Gabriel leans over and snaps this woman's neck, which means that Madison is leaning backward to snap this woman's neck. Right. Now you try to lean backwards and pick up like a ball from the ground <laughs> and see if you can do that. <laughs> I think there are probably a few people who have this weird contortionist body that can do shit like that. And while this is going on, Sydney is calling Kakoa to, to say, oh, well, uh, Gabriel's this, and Gabriel's like, Kakoa's like, I'm sorry, there's a massacre happening. There's just bodies everywhere. Because Gabriel gets out of the jail cell, and it's just full ham at this police station. Just cutting off arms and throwing them at people, shooting guns, amazing it, fight sequence. It is such a great fight sequence. And my note here is like, how does Maddie not feel this shit the next day? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, apparently Gabriel gives her superhuman powers and the ability to fuck with electricity, so... But, you know, like, the whole fight with Kakoa jumping down all of that, Madison yeah. would wake up going, God, why am I so sore? You think. <laughs> um, and Madison is in a metaphorical jail cell. Yes. So, um, Regina and Kakoa, they, they both get kind of beat up. And CSI fangirl, as I kept calling her, she comes in and she steps over Regina in order to save Kakoa. I love that. That is so, that is so cold. <laughs> she's like, Regina, oh my god, Kakoa! And just steps right over her. And she takes out her phone. She's like, why am I calling the police? Um, it's like, she should be calling the paramedics. So Sydney goes to see uh, Serena May at the hospital, and the security guard's like, nope, nope, I can't make you through. But then his fucking pacemaker explodes. Yeah, because Gabriel is there and can fuck with electricity. Yeah, and he, because it looks like he's having a heart attack, he's like, my pacemaker! And then his chest bursts open. Yep. And we have this whole fight with, uh, Sydney beats the sh- not, no, Gabriel beats the hell out of Sydney, throws her a bed at her, pins her under a yeah. whole hospital bed. And Madison's trying to get control. And that's when Sydney's like, Madison, he killed your babies. That's, you know, how he's getting stronger. And that's like the final straw for Madison. She makes her will save at this point. Yep. 
but we get this very interesting sequence because Gabriel kills Sydney, blows her head off with a gun, and then goes over and kills Serena. But then Madison's like, no, Gabriel. And we see that Madison made Gabriel hallucinate that he murdered them. Right, because she's now in possession of of her body again, and is now the one in control. Yeah, and so now she's put Gabriel into the metaphorical jail cell. Even though Gabriel's like, you don't deserve your body. And she's like, it's my body. And so she she goes over to Sydney and she's like, I have a blood connection, you know, connection. Blood or not, you're my sister. And it's it's a happy ending, kind of. Kind of. Because what the fuck is going to happen to Madison now? Yeah, this is, this is, uh... I'm not sure I'd want to live if I were Madison. That would be actual hell, right? Knowing that he, all the shit that Gabriel did while possessing your body. Like, even if you're not actually responsible for that, because you are technically two separate people, yeah, like, but the guilt would still be insane, because that was technically your doing. I the mean, blood right? is literally on your hands. Yes, the back of your hands, as it were. And um, also, how was that? how would this legally be be looked at they they wouldn't just say oh you know you're right it's gabriel you're free to go madison yeah i mean that would be a hell of a a hell of a a legal situation i honestly have no idea they probably treat it like disassociative identity disorder right yeah that's exactly what i was thinking that madison would probably spend the next several years if not the rest of her life in an institution right because pretty sure I mean, it is functionally just a really weird form of disassociative identity disorder. Yeah, but that's... One that, it, one that is physical rather than mental. Uh, but that's that's malignant. I loved this movie. I mean, I, li- I like this movie a lot, too. Like I said, a lot of it hit very close to home. So that was, I mean, you know, definitely give me a tie to the, the main character. The whole, like, supernatural strength, electricity thing, all that shit, like, I don't know. Okay, sure. I would like some explanation about why he is able to do that. Uh, what, what, what it is about him specifically. But it is. But I like the rest of it. His tribute to Argento and, and Giallo. Yeah, um, I know because it gets more supernatural as, as time goes on in those movies. Well, Giallo by itself is not supernatural. The most it got was that psychic in Deep Red. Um, Dario Argento, he later did kind of like a mix of the two with Tenebrae later on. And that's probably one of the largest influences on this. Um, but yes, this is very, very inspired. But really cool cinematography. Absolutely awesome. Like, fight scene, a little bit of body horror, psychological horror, weird J-horror elements for reasons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, it works together so well. I mean, James Wan is a good filmmaker. Took me a while to grow into him because all, all of his stuff became franchise Right, and usually when stuff becomes franchise, they kind of suck. Because Saw, Insidious, Conjuring, those all turned into franchises. And then he directed Furious 7, and how do you take somebody seriously when they directed Part 7 of a franchise? (laughs) One of the most profitable franchises in movie history, though. Yeah, but you could say the same about... (laughs) You could say the same about Friday the 13th movies. It's true. We had this discussion before, though, about sequels, and like sometimes the sequels retroactively make the original worse. Yeah. Co-wrote and produced Megan, which I loved Megan. Yeah, I need to see that. It looks super fun. Yeah. Um, coming up later for James Wan is he's the director of Aquaman on the Lost Kingdom. <laughs> I need to see the first Aquaman. I mean, Jason Momoa has a lot of charisma. He does. 
I saw him in something else recently that was unexpected, and it was like, wow, Jason Momoa is actually really good. He's actually, he's funny, and he's got that, uh, he definitely fits, fits that The Rock mold, the uh, Chris Hemsworth, who's kind of a big, doofy, beefcakey sort of dude, but also really funny. So he can play the, like, lovable, lovable hunk. It was Dune, that's what I'm remembering him from. Yeah, he's actually really good in Dune. It's a yeah. relatively small role, but he's very good in it. Dune is fucking amazing, by the way. Not a movie we'd ever cover on this show. But no, we wouldn't. It's gorgeous, <laughs> I can't wait to the second part. Phenomenal. We might... Great score, everything about Dune is incredible. We might cover the sci-fi original movie adaptation. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. But I'm talking the the but Villeneuve the, one is, is just it's a work of art. But yeah, that was *Malignant*. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for being a subscriber. Uh, you obviously know where to find us. I don't need to repeat that. So yeah, join us next week when we look at *Hansel and Gretel: Witch Hunters*. That's gonna so, be fun. So this movie or a 5 p.m. cup of donut shop? This movie. Yes, this movie is really really cool. Although I'm pretty sure I watched this most recently more in the morning, where I well, had well, a 5 a.m. <laughs> yes, I had a good cup of coffee. You had the good cup of coffee rather than the shit cup of coffee. Yep. But yeah, we will catch you all next time. Have a good week.